Tradies and builders, power your business with Bunnings Trade Power Pass. It's Justin Marshall and Ricardo Ball with the Bunnings Trade Rugby Run on SENZ. Monaghan going to Tom Wright! And scores in the corner and the Hurricanes are frustrated and filthy. The Brumbies are celebrating. Drive his way through. He's pinned in there. Can't do it. They get over the line and they got it down though. Oh wow. Has he got his fingers under it? Hand under it. It's under it. Is he denying? Yeah. So Nick, based on the angles that I have available, I don't have a clear grounding. It's held up. Brumbies win. Brumbies win. The Brumbies, 37. The Hurricanes, 33. Good afternoon, New Zealand. Uh, welcome into SENZ. Dean Butler will be here for the next few hours up until uh, 4 o'clock. But before then, of course, between 12 and 2, we have the Bunnings Trade uh, Rugby Run. We've got a couple of special guests coming up too, around about 12.30. Uh, former Brumbies and Wallaby, Rod Kafer. Then at 1 o'clock, we're going to have a uh, interview with Nick White, the Chiefs assistant coach. Uh, but before then, and as we do every weekend between 12 and 2 on a Bunnings Trade Rugby Run, it is our man, Justin Marshall. Marshy, welcome. Uh, I uh, hope you had a good weekend, pal. It's been a cracker. Yeah, good afternoon to you, Dean, and, and good afternoon to everybody joining us this afternoon for the Bunnings Trade Rugby Run. Uh, yeah, it's been a fascinating um, couple of uh, days of Super Rugby, hasn't it? Uh, and we have our semi-finalists, without, albeit there was a bit more drama involved than what I thought <laughs> there would be, but uh, entertaining and... I think we've got four very worthy semi-finalists, you know, four sides that have been pretty consistent throughout the season. So it should only get better next weekend. Yeah, damn straight. And folks, if you want to give uh, Justin a call with uh, any of your thoughts on the games we've seen uh, over the weekend, 0800-150-811, is the number to call. You can, of course, text double eight double three as well, double eight double three. Marshy, it kind of went, I spoke to you on the Monday, it kind of went as as we thought. The three games which were were definites were, you know, the, the Blues were going to get there, the Chiefs, okay, they just got home, but they got there, and the Crusaders... And then the one you picked as the game of the round, it was the game of the round, the Hurricanes versus the Brummies. It could have gone either way. It literally could have gone either way, right down to that very last second. Marshy, that was an incredible game. Let's start with that one because that's the one that people are talking about, Hurricanes versus Brumbies. That last second try, we'll go right there straight away. What did you think of it, Marshy? What's your thoughts on that one? Well, look, yeah, I, I certainly felt that initially uh, when I when I saw it, and and then subsequently the replay that um, you know Artie had got the ball on the ground, and um, you know at some stage in the process that uh, uh, the Brumby's hand had gotten underneath the ball, and then eventually, as he said in his post-match interview, um, lifted it completely and and uh, got it right off the ground. But you know he was very adamant that he grounded the ball, and and it kind of looked that way to me, like. Just because you've got a hand under the ball, your entire hand doesn't cover the entire circumference of the ball, you know. Mm. So at some stage, the ball could have been on the ground. And, and, you know, Artie doesn't tend to mince his words when it comes to that sort of thing. He's a pretty um, open and honest player. And uh, I do find it quite hard to fathom that at no stage did did the ball not graze the ground at all during that process um, when when you're only talking a hand under the ball. Um, But it can happen, so don't get me wrong. But equally... Uh, the, the kind of 
uh, TMO decision that he was literally thrown under the bus by Angus Gardner's referral um, from him and his ARs by saying they have seen the ball not grounded. Hmm. And the TMO had to find really clear evidence uh, that it had been. And it was pretty hard to tell from the pitches that they had there. So, you know, there was probably no real other decision that the TMO could come to. So you can't really blame him because no. the other three referees felt that they saw the ball off the ground. Um, and, you know, that that probably was the decisive uh, element in the whole decision-making process. Yeah, it's interesting because, I mean, from watching it, for me, it's like the ref, to me, he had to give no try because he wasn't sure it was a try. So then it has to go upstairs. And then the vision that the fans saw, I saw, it wasn't conclusive that he had scored. You know, all that we really saw was the hand. That's all the, the pictures we I saw. Yeah. And so it was like, oh, well, it's tough, but he can't give it. But then, as you say, if there's other pictures, other information, then is there a way that we can bring that in? Because it's a huge decision. Oh, it is. Yeah. And, and it's slightly where the the process is a little flawed. Mm. And, and and whether we ever find the, the exact science to be able to get it conclusively right, I don't think any sport can do that. You know, I think every now and then there'll always be controversy where the process slightly probably doesn't quite allow it to be right. Uh, it may, it's becoming more and more rare, but, you know, the, the, this uh, process that they go through um, with the referee making a referral to the TMO uh, and, and putting basically his neck on the line means that then that process can fail like it did last night. And I don't think Angus Gardner got it wrong. If you actually rewatch the replays, he went to ground, but when he came and looked was when, the, when Savia had already been spun and the ball was clearly off the ground. Mm. So what he's seeing at the time he arrives is a picture a second to two seconds later than what, the TMO was going to be looking at, you know. So what I'm saying is if Angus Gardner was there maybe a second or two earlier and had clear eye line, he might have seen a grounding. Mm. But by the time he arrived, and he was conclusively right because all he saw was the ball off the ground. So he has to then refer it as the ball I've, I have seen has not been grounded, which is the picture he saw. Um, so, But the process demands that he makes a decision about try or no try. And then the next step in the process is it has to be conclusive to overrule what the referee is saying. Mm. So there is where the system is slightly flawed because the TMO has to have really, really, really good pictures from TV. And I think it, if you watch it, <laughs> there was only the behind angle mm. that made it clear that the two angles from um, from the in-goal area didn't show it. No side angle showed it, so it was behind angle. And at that stage, the real key moment, and if you rewatch it, have a look at it, mm. Duplessis Karifi's leg is in the way. Yeah. That, yeah. Like literally when yeah. there's that grounding moment, there's, there's a hurricane's leg in the way of the camera. And then we, it, he slightly moves, but by then the, the, the evidence is um, slightly different. So, yeah, it's, it's, it's tough, you know. It, it really is a tough call to make, and I can see – and have sympathy for all elements involved. Um, and all we really want out of this process, Dino, is to get, you know, fair decisions so that yeah. everybody feels that they are being treated equally. And sometimes you get ones like this where the process and, and the system just lets you down a little bit. But 
you know, you've got to you've got to roll with those punches. You don't you don't always you don't always get it your way. And uh, the Hurricanes will look back at other parts of that game where they slightly uh, went off the boil mm. or they that they just switched off for a, a couple of sort of uh, instances in the game and let the Brumbies back into a match that they were clearly dominating. Yeah, you're absolutely right, Marsh. The pictures I saw was exactly that. You just It was not conclusive, totally. Uh, but keep your calls coming in, 0800 If you've got anything for Justin, or give us a text, double eight double three. Marsh, we've got a text in here from Ken. Uh, Justin and Dean, four great quarters. After all that, most impressive was the Blues. All their, all, all their All Blacks hitting top form. Most disappointing, the Chiefs' Ford pack and Crusaders' more injuries. Ken says Blues... Brumby's final. That's from Ken. Yeah, it's a valid point, Ken. I thought the Blues were the the team of the weekend, you know, given the fact that the Waratahs started so well. Mm. uh, So they knew they were in a contest, but then they just got into their work, didn't they? And the minute they uh, got got going, uh, they they were clearly the better team on the night. And they are really, really good up front, which is encouraging because when when you look at the teams that are likely to have to face, uh, this weekend, um, the Crusaders, and then if they were successful there, the Chiefs, uh, they've got good forward packs. Uh, they've got good scrum, they've got good line out, they've got all blacks uh, that are used to that environment, and they put the squeeze on like the Crusaders did last night. Um, yeah, I, I, uh, to the Andrew, I, I do agree with Ken that uh, the Chiefs forward pack um, Probably weren't as dominant as what they usually are, and I, I would say they weren't dominant. Mm. Uh, but they still had parity. But usually they're a dominant forward pack. But uh, the Queensland forward pack really fronted. So, you know, they probably did have a, a slightly off night in that regard. But when they needed to roll their sleeves up, they did. You know, Retallick and Co. They saw a cooler who's been so good off the bench. Um, you know, when they needed to step up, they did. But uh, I'm not convinced, Ken, that it's going to be a Blues Brumbies final. Um, I, I do feel that uh, the Chiefs are going to be pretty hard to topple uh, at the weekend. Um, and the Brumbies haven't won a game in New Zealand this year, and they're not travelling to New Zealand very well in, in and under our conditions. So uh, it could be Chiefs Blues, but. I don't think Brumbies are going to be in the mix, but you never know. Yeah, that, that's just it, Mushy. You never know. And I was going to ask you about that that Chiefs-Reds uh, game as well, because it was it a bit of both? Was it a bit of, um, you know, this was meant to be one versus eight, this was meant to be the cakewalk. It wasn't the cakewalk at all. It was a very, very close game. Uh, was, it a, the, was it the nerves getting to the Chiefs, maybe, and the Reds going, hey, we, we, it doesn't matter for us? Was it that type of a feel? Would, there would always be that. You know, the Reds were able to come in under the radar. Obviously, um, the Chiefs' uh, whole Super Rugby season, um, the chat has been about how good they've been, how good mm. their squad depth is. Uh, equally, you know, when you broke down the Reds' season, it was inconsistent. Uh, they had massive fluctuations between playing pretty well and then playing poorly. Uh, I did say last weekend on the Bunnings Trade Rugby Run, which got me a little bit of fallout, to be honest. I think it was just Chiefs fans thinking <laughs> I was dishing on them. Yeah. Um, but I, cert- I certainly wasn't doing that. I just said last weekend on this show, I said out of all of the teams and everything that's come out of the wash in the quarterfinals, I think the Chiefs are the biggest losers mm-hmm. because I said they've got a team that's actually really capable on the night. And uh, it certainly proved to be that way, didn't it? That the and I just said that you know it's it's just saying like they probably would have been more happy being top qualified to play sort of the the endure or the force or even to a degree the Waratahs, but the Reds 
you know, they've got good wallabies, they've got mm. good talent, they've got some tough players, and they'd already beaten them. I, w- I wasn't saying they're going to lose the game, but I said that they've probably got one of the tougher uh, opposition and, and, uh, that, that if they turn up on the night, mm. will make their make their life hard work. And uh, they did. That actually ended up being that way. Not that, you know, that I've often been wrong, but it, it proved to be a real, real full-on um, war of attrition. You know, the physicality in that game was, mm. was incredible. But... Uh, you know, fair play to the Chiefs. Uh, they've always found a way when they needed to to win games, even when they're uh, against a, a good side, having a good night out. They'll still find a way. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, keep your calls coming in, folks. 0800 150 811. If there's anything you want to ask Justin, any questions at all, or please send a text uh, like Ken did, double eight, double three. We have, oh, <laughs> I guess this is on the line for you, Marshy. It's our old mate, Graham. Graham, how you doing, mate, on this uh, beautiful Sunday afternoon? Yeah, oh, good, mate. Good, Dino. And how are you, Justin? Good to see you last good night, briefly. It was a fresh one, wasn't it? it was, yeah, it was cold. The, 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 the Fijian boys uh, would have had to do a 35-degree uh, climate change, that's for sure. <laughs> yeah, no, they, uh, there's a lot of Fijians there. I've got to say, they're great, uh, as you would know, Justin, they're great rugby people and they're great people full stop, actually. They, yeah. You know, yeah. Yeah, yeah, got smiles on their faces. And, you know, I haven't seen the Hurricanes game, so I can't comment about um, the try, though it seems to be what you've explained as, you know, this is an area um, that, you know, we've seen all teams get affected at times. But a game like that, of course, <laughs> the Canes are naturally going to be upset because, you know, the try, you know, it's, mm. it's, you know you're missing out on a semi. But um, the game last night, I thought the drawer actually really did turn up, but. Yeah, the Crusaders, um, once again, the injury problem. You know, Ethan Blackadder, I was very um, sorry to see him. You know, with such a short amount of time on the paddock, he mm. mostly was on for about five minutes or something and was off. But um, that was a major, you know, concern. But I thought Richie Mwanga controlled things again. You know, um, you know things haven't been like the Rolls-Royce. <laughs> Steve Hansen once said about our forward pack, you know, because we've had players out. But Richie's really... Um, stepped up in terms of, lead, you know, just the leadership of the team. But, yeah, they got the job done, and it was, yeah, it'll be a big game next week against the Blues, though, because, um, you know, they play them well. So, and there's already a bit of banter in the, I noticed Dalton Popolini today on, you know, in, you know comments, so that, that'll add a bit of spice to it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, Graham. But they're, they're, the, they're the types of games that we... And you, as a season ticket holder, um, you know, want to see. You want to see the best teams slogging it out and, you know, to have two quality semi-finals and then a final with four good sides who have been pretty consistent throughout the year. Everybody's getting what they want out of the, the, the final series, aren't they? Um, on the on the game last night, I totally agree. Uh, I think the Andrua, um improved massively in the second half and, and um, you know, were really competitive and got quite physical on the Crusaders. But at the end of the day, you cannot... Um, as everybody knows at Orange Terry Stadium against the Crusaders, be down 21 points after 15 minutes and still expect to win. You know, you needed they needed to start a hell of a yeah. lot better than what they did. They, they and they were the architects of their own demise. You know, the the errors they made, their set piece wasn't functioning, and unfortunately <clears> for them, it, it wasn't the game that they wanted to. But the injuries are a concern. Another one's Zach Gallagher, mate, um, because. I don't know if Sam Whitelock um, will, will play any further part um, from from some of the rumours that I'm hearing. And you, losing Zach Gallagher, obviously Young Gardner's out as well. Um, 
you know, Crusaders are starting to look a bit thin in the locking department where they used to be quite flush. Yeah, well, yeah, I'm hope I'm keeping my fingers crossed about Sam Whitelock. I think Dominic Gardner, I think he could be available, but this week. But Zach Gallagher, yeah, he's a, he's a very he's a tough customer for a young guy, and um, mm. you know, he rolls his sleeves up, and yeah, that yeah, he, he's a very good player. He played well last year too, but he's bulked up a bit this year too, and um, yeah, that is a concern. So um, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I've heard all sorts of things about the injuries. You know, sometimes they get contradicted, and other times they get proved right. So um, you can only hope. So we'll see see what you know who who rolls up. You know, by about Wednesday when they name the team, we shall. You know, and even. Yep. We shall sorry, find Dan. out. Sorry, um, uh, we shall find out, mate. We've got a couple yep. of guests this hour as well, pal. Good so, man. Uh, yep, yep. Thank you, Graham, for your call as always, Have mate. A good one. You yep, too, yep. man. Uh, we're going to take a quick break now, but if you want to give Justin a call, please do so after the break. 0800 150 811. You can, of course, text 8833. 21 past 12 here on the Bunnings Trade Rugby Runner. Power your business with Bunnings Trade Power Pass. Uh, give us a call. 0800 150 is the number to call. And you can, of course, text three. Don't forget, coming up around about uh, 12.30ish, we've got former Brumby and Wallaby Rod Kafer as well. So send your questions in for him too if you want double three. But right now, uh, we've got uh, Dean from Dunedin on the line. Uh, Dino, good afternoon. How are you? You're very good, guys. Yourself? Yeah, very good. You got a question for uh, Marshy? Yeah, mate. Uh, honestly, Justin, looking at those four games, I think it just proves how important that home advantage is going into playoff rugby. And if I'm brutally honest, I think the difference between the weekend we've just had and this weekend coming up is all four teams, regardless of their injury situation, because they've all gone through a hell of a competition, they actually believe they can win it. And that makes the games totally different to all the other teams that played without being too disrespectful over the last weekend. And as for the Hurricanes, for me, their defence just wasn't good enough. Like, but, but Geordie Barrett, one pass, Sullivan scores untouched. And they don't have to go to Artie's thing and it just didn't go wide. Their decision-making under pressure, I didn't think, was where it needs to be. But the four teams this weekend, rest assured, they won't make those mistakes. And if the Blues click, heaven forbid, we all know what's possible, but I still just can't see Rico at 13. I just I don't know. Maybe it's just me, but I think Bryce Heen's a better fit there. And Plummer at 12, I'd be a little bit more worried. I think the Crusaders can handle the Blues' back line. So long as someone can get a hand on Mark Talia, like if Hooper misses him, if Hooper misses him, Justin, you know that boy doesn't miss bugger all. He couldn't even get him. It's like what is with that man? His nickname must be Soap, Slippery, or something. <laughs> yeah, you're absolutely right, Dean. And um, yeah, very valid comments. You know the quality of particularly the, the home sides uh, when you've got that advantage, you've got your, the conditions that you're used to. Uh, let's face it, like both in Canberra and in Christchurch at this time of the year. Um, you know, obviously, you're from Dunedin. You don't get that with Forsyth Bar Stadium anymore, <laughs> but you have that Jew element. And those players get used to that. They get used to playing with a slippery ball weekend um, in and out. And, um, you know, that certainly helps not only in the fact that you know your own conditions, but you've got your own crowd behind you. So that home advantage is massive. Um, and I think the Crusaders are going to need all of that home advantage this weekend. As you mentioned, they're up against a very good side with a strike weapon like Talia. Um, I just wonder whether or not, yeah, absolutely you're right, whether 
you know, the All Blacks are even looking at Rico on the wing rather than at centre. Um, I thought when he switched to the ring a couple of weeks ago that he just looked more dangerous. Um, but, yeah, we've got really four good quality semi-finals coming our way. Uh, yeah, I certainly feel that, you know, even though it went down to the wire and there's a controversial decision with the Hurricanes that, yeah, they, they, they did at moments not help themselves when they, I thought they were quite dominant in that game. But then... For some reason or another, they just switched off at key times, like conceding the they conceded the more try real easy, and then the 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 one um, on the blind side with the fullback uh, white uh, what's his name? Jeez, I forget his name every every time <laughs> from the from the Brumbies. Uh, oh, um... I'll, I'll remember it. Don't worry. Um, and you know you, you can't afford to do that in knockout rugby. You, you cannot afford to have that moment where you switch off uh, and 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 after doing all the good work. So I think they paid the ultimate price for that. Yeah, okay. Thank you, Dino. Thanks for that call, mate. Much appreciated. Um, Marshy, we've got a couple of uh, texts coming in too. Uh, here's one for you. Uh, afternoon, uh, Justin. I hope Billy Harmon is staying fit because even Foster must have serious concerns at seven. Sam Kane is brave and committed, but now the no threat over the ball and I suspect not big enough as a ball runner. Dalton Papa Lee has also taken his chance. Maybe the Blues leadership has been a distraction. But if Signa continues his development, he might make the Blues seven jersey next year. What's your starting All Blacks loose forward mix? It is untidy. Yeah, well, it's interesting, isn't it? And it's probably the biggest uh, point of discussion that the, the All Blacks have. That in the midfield, to be fair. Mm. Um, well, geez, I tell you what, throw, let's throw the back three in there as well because we've got some... <laughs> We've got some wingers in form, haven't we? So, yeah, yeah no, again, Billy Harmon, he, he's just a, a hugely uh, uh, workaholic, quality-type workmanship player, you know. And, he, he, you know, he probably wouldn't be a miss in any uh, other international side in the world. Um, and, you know, he's he's very similar to Tom Christie, but he's probably a slightly better ball carrier. Mm. Um it's just about finding the right balance, isn't it? And, you know, you would think that they're probably still looking uh, at, at Artie at number eight. Um, you know, the injury concerns to some of our blind sides uh, are not helpful. So, you know, it's who, who they sort of look at. You know, do they go the, the Shannon Frizzell route or do they, because they're going to have possibly Whitelock and Retallick available, do they look at Scott Barrett on the side of the scrum? Um what I do think, though, is we, we need to find that mix and find that mix in the rugby championship and stick with it. If it's going to be big players, it's big players. And they play consistently and they all fulfil their roles. If it's not going to be big players, and we do take a, a Billy Harmon, um, Tom Christie-type open side who is different to Papa Lee, um and Blackadder and co., then stick with it and go with it, you know? So... Yeah, very interesting debate and lots of questions around it. Tom Wright was the name of the the uh, br- That's the guy. Back, by the way, it, it came to me. <laughs> <laughs> it did come to you. Hey, Marshy, we'll, we'll take another quick break now because after that we've got your old mate Rod Kafer um, on the line to have a chat. We will be back after this. 12.30 here on SENZ. Dean Butler with you here on the Bunnings Trade Rugby Run. Um, and as we do every Sunday, of course, he's here as well. It is Justin Marshall. Uh, but, of course, Marshall, we've got a special guest now as well, an old uh, an old mate of yours. It's former Wallaby and Brumbies player Rod Kafer joining us on the line. Rod, um, thanks for joining us, mate, and a good afternoon. Good morning to you. Good afternoon to you as well. 
Well, uh, Marshy, as Marshy said, it was a humdinger of a game. Justin, uh, what do you want to fire towards Rod to start us off with? Okay, thanks for joining us, mate. Always appreciate it. Um, look, let's, um, I guess, tap into the Brumbies game first and foremost. There's been quite a bit of chat, as you could imagine, uh, here in New Zealand about particularly coming out of the Hurricanes franchise, about that uh, last-minute decision um, on Artie Savia in the in the game last night. How did you see it with your one-eyed Australian Brumbies <laughs> eye patch on? <laughs> well, mate, I, listen, if we're sharing eye patches, you've got a few yourself, don't you? We know that. <laughs> Every time I listen to the Crusaders play, I hear the same thing. Look, um, uh, it's always it's always challenging when uh, you know games come down. It's what makes the game great. But there's a few things that make the game great. Lots of lots of different things. One of the things is actually the interpretation by referees gives games theatre, um, and everybody will focus on a last minute decision quite rightly. But of course, in, in a game of rugby, there are so many decisions that a referee makes. Some of them are right, some of them are wrong. Mm. But we all tend to focus on the one that gets made in the last minute. The thing. You know, that determined the game. Of course, it didn't. There were other decisions in the game that led to tries and led to points being scored, and it gets us to the point. However, what, what was interesting for me, and, and again, having played in games where sometimes you know, and, and, and Marshall, as you recall, um, I didn't score many tries, but in circumstances in games, sometimes you score tries and you either think, yes, I definitely scored that try, and then after you think about it for a while, you probably go, actually, but probably didn't. <laughs> sometimes you don't know. And sometimes you do know. Sometimes you go, I definitely scored that try and the ref didn't award it. Um, what was interesting for me was, you know, Artie Kavir Artie came out, who's, who's, you know, enjoyed his career for, for his whole life. He's been that type of player. It's easy to enjoy watching him play and listening to the way he goes about his work. And he said, you know what, I definitely scored the try, um, uh, but, but no problems. And, and I understand that as well, because when I was watching that, I was watching it on television and having watched millions of games of rugby, I looked at it and thought, yeah, I think he's definitely scored that try. Had the referee, I think, said at the time, the referee said it was a try, that would not have been overturned, I don't think, by the video, uh, by, by the TMO. They're the laws that we live under. And the referee just said he didn't see the grounding, so I had to go with, look, mm. all I can see is the board's been held up. And the referee doesn't, and, and the TMO can't overturn that because it wasn't obvious. And I think the footage revealed that it wasn't obvious enough to say, you know, yes, it was, or yes, it wasn't. So I think it's one of those things that could go either way. It's unfortunate it's the last play of the game. You know, and it was, Marcia, I think, as we'd all agree, you know, a tremendous, gritty, hard-fought, brutal game of rugby, lots of blood on jerseys, all the good stuff you want to see in a game mm. of that level. Comes down to the last decision, you know. One team has to go out. It's it's, it's what makes rugby great. It's the theatre of it all. That, that's yeah, very good answer. And you're absolutely um, comprehensively right in the decision making process. I don't think they had any other choice. And um, no. from the evidence that they were given and the evidence that they saw, you know, we feel exactly the same way. You know, the fact of the matter is. It had to be clear and conclusive, and it wasn't. So they had no other choice and nowhere else to go. And I thought Artie, after the game, handled himself really well. So you're bang on on that as well. What what else stood out for you in that game, Kaif? Like it, it felt to me like the Hurricanes always sort of had control of the game, but then they would have a little lapse, uh, and the Brumbies just showed awesome ambition to turn down, you know, kickable penalties and go go to one of their 
real strengths, which is the, is the line-out drive, and um, they, they came away with points and all of a sudden got the got, got on the on the scoreboard and got ahead again. Yeah, it's really interesting. I mean, the Brumbies started the season and, and, and started the season very, very strongly, played particularly well in the first, you know, three or four rounds of the competition. When they beat the Blues, um, I think that was down in Melbourne in, in the Super Round or whatever, I thought that, you know, that was one of the best games I've seen the Brumbies play for a long period of time. However, I think since that game, they've actually been stagnating a little bit, maybe even mm. going backwards a little mm. bit. Their form's been a bit haphazard. Um, there, was, there was a couple of things that stood out, you know, a couple of things that I enjoyed. One, I think they got the selection right at 10 with Deb Brassini. I think he brought a different element to the Brumbies game. Uh, can certainly play, and I think it was commented on during the commentary, but He's a player through his whole career when he's at the Rebels, and I know he spent some time in New Zealand as well. Um, he, he's a guy who can play at the line. He's one of the rare commodities in Australian rugby, and that's a 10 who can actually play at the line and put players through holes or actually attack the line himself. He scored a try, made a couple of little half breaks, uh, and that really changed the way the Brumbies played. They played on the front foot for the first time in a long time. Um, and... And I think the other thing the Brumbies did well is they defended the threat that was of clear and obvious out wide from the Hurricanes by the way they defended. And, and they've done this defence a little bit all year. They used this umbrella where the you know, second-last guy will really come forward out of the line um, and try to shut off that wide passing lane. In the first half, the Hurricanes struggled to deal with that a little bit. Second half, they started to get an idea of how they could play around it, and that's where they started to score all of their points because they found the ability to stretch the Brumbies a little bit. So um, what was, you know, great from a, a rugby perspective, well, just to see, you know, for me, was the quality of the match because I thought it was you know, a real high-quality game. Both teams playing very, very well. Both teams deserving to win that game, no question. Um, the, the the nature of Australian rugby has been for such a long time. I mean, we've got teams over the last five or so, you know, over the last seven years who've got, you know, all of the teams, apart from the Brumbies, Brumbies are the only team with a 50% or better win record in Super Rugby since maybe 2015-16. The rest of Australian franchises are less than 40% win record. So from my perspective, it was, you know, just good to see the Brumbies team, who have been, a, you know, the best of the performing sides, um, you know, take it up a notch and were able to stay in a match for 80 minutes against, you know, a high-quality opposition um, and to then, you know, have, have the, the, the capacity to close out the game, even, even though whether, whether they did or they didn't, irrespective of all of those sort of things, they defended, showed a great deal of grit in those last few minutes against a team that was really finishing fast. So I like the fact that from Australian rugby perspective that mentally, mentally, because in the last five, ten minutes of the game, we all know, you know, everybody's fatigued, everyone's feeling it, errors come in. Mentally, if you let yourself go, you fall away. Australian teams have been very soft mentally for a long period of time. These guys stayed in the fight and, you know, irrespective of how they got it done, they ended up getting it done um, and, and they'd be happy with that. Well, that's that's a really good segue, actually, into my next question, which is, before we look at um, next weekend, uh, the Reds. You know, finally, they fronted up to their capability. Their fluctuations this year have been frustrating to watch, given the quality of player they've got on their side. Um, But 
mate, even though they didn't get the job done, they fronted up against a very, very good Chiefs side at home, didn't they? You must have been pleased to see some of the individuals really step up and them put in a performance which was worthy of the side that they put out on paper. Correct. And, and again, I think what frustrates anybody who's a fan of any rugby team is when you look at a team on paper and you say, these guys should be much better. And then they produce a performance like that. You then sit back and reflect and ask yourself the question, what the hell has gone wrong with these guys? Because this is a team who, you know, by, by definition can perform against the best team in the competition mm. and run them very close in a do-or-die match. You think to yourself, imagine if they took that, whatever that mentality was, into the rest of this season, we'd be having a different conversation about the Reds because they're chock-a-block full of good, you know, a combination of exciting young footballers, um, also some, you know, wallaby, wallaby players who've got the ability to, to play at a higher level. They've got, you know, an exciting team. They just haven't been able to, to manufacture consistency, you know, throughout the last couple of seasons. Obviously, it's, you know, the last game for a guy who's been a great coach for them um, and has, has brought them to, to a point. Um, you know, his, end, his coaching career is now coming to an end with the, with the Reds, which we all know coaches don't last forever. Um, he's, he's, done his, he's done his term. Um, the players clearly wanted to at least put on some type of performance for, for him, and they nearly got, you know, the job done against the team who, you know, have been very good this year. And if you reflect on the Chiefs over the last couple of seasons, you know, they were a team who were very inconsistent, had the capacity mm-hmm. to play well, um, but were also dreadful on certain days. For whatever whatever's happened with them this year, they've they've clicked. The coaching structure's got it, you know, they've got it right. They're, they're a team who are, um, you know, immensely powerful. Um, I really enjoy the way the Chiefs play. They're a team I enjoy watching play. Um, so pleased to see them going ahead in the competition, albeit at the expense of the Reds. So given that, and, and putting on your your Brumbies cap uh, and, and your very extensive knowledge of the game and the way that you analyse it, what, what did you see that gave you some encouragement out of that game then, given that the Reds were able to put them under that amount of pressure? Did you see some vulnerability in the Chiefs that the Brumbies could possibly expose? Um, you know, potentially, although although when when you when I look at the Chiefs play, the Chiefs the Chiefs, you know, carry a very big side across. They've got they've got this great combination, I think, at the moment of of um, you know, big players who can utilise the ball and, and small players on the field. And the game's sort of gone to that in recent times. We've seen that in international rugby over the last three or four years, that little players are coming back into the game. Small wingers, small outside backs are really important because the space on the, on the field gets less and less. And if you can generate um, fast ball from big, hard running forwards, you then give your small backs the opportunity to take advantage of that. And probably the, the best example in Super Rugby is really the Chiefs that have that dynamic that carry a very big back row, very, you know, a, a very big team all around the field, but particularly forwards who are explosive and dynamic who can generate quick ball. They give quick ball then to a, um, you know, an exciting back line who can um, utilise that ball well. Chiefs do it the best, I think, um, in the competition. Crusaders obviously do it very well and the Blues at times have done it. The Brumbies haven't done 
as much of that. They've got a couple of quick blokes. Corey Tool on one wing is explosively quick, small guy, exactly the, the model that I'm talking about. And they've used him extensively this season. I think um, that that the Chiefs bring a, a power game. They can you know, really dent and hold the Brumbies in, in the set piece. And I think the Brumbies relied a lot on their set piece to generate um, for them their platform to attack from. They just haven't quite got the balance right in the back line as well as probably the Chiefs have. I, I do like the Brumbies picking Deborah Senior at 10. And I think obviously he played for a little bit somewhere in and around the Waikato region. I can't remember the history, but he was, he was there somewhere. Maybe at the Chiefs for a period of time, maybe just in the NPC, I can't recall. But, um, you know, he's, he's got history in, in that area. I'd love to see them um, select him to start again and give him the opportunity to, to um, you know, play in, in a place that he's familiar with. Um, and if he can find a way, and if the Brumbies can find a way to develop some quick ball, they give themselves an opportunity. However, that was their problem last time, a few weeks ago in Canberra. They never really got the opportunity to get the ball. The Chiefs looked like they were just going to smash it every time they had slow ball and Brumbies never got any any dominance, any go-forward ball, and, and they were just you know, muted by, by the Chiefs in a very good effort. I expect, you know, honestly, I expect the Chiefs to win. I've, I've been, you know, really enjoyed, literally enjoyed the way they've played the game this year. I love what they do close to the line. They use this back line swinging from one side to the other. Damien McKenzie does a great job. They've developed some plays around how they attack when they get close to the opposition try line that I really like to see. They've innovated in that area. I think they're a team that, you know, probably have been the best team in the comp so far, probably the deserved winners of the competition if they can get it done. Brumbies are going to give them a shake, but I'd be surprised if the Brumbies win. Wow. Good. But you'll be happy if they do, I'm sure. <laughs> I'm delighted. I mean, I'm a, I'm a winner yeah, either way. I like both of these teams. I love both of them. I like to love the way the Chiefs play. I mean, I love seeing, you know, they, they picked a big back row. When I sit and I look at Australian back row and the balance um, of some of the back row teams, uh, you know, the small guy really in the back row is Sam Kane for the Chiefs. And Sam's, Sam's a big guy, plays a big, you know, he's a big seven. Um, and, and, he, and he plays a very strong, powerful game. And he's their little guy, you know. And they, mm. and they, and they, and they bring, obviously, their, their locks, who are, who are big men. They've got a, you know, a very powerful, um, hard-running front row. You know, hookers who carry very well. Uh, you know, it, it's a, such a powerful forward pack. I, I think for the self-marshes we offered, there, you know, with, with forward packs you play behind, you think yourself as, a, an, as an inside back, you said, yeah. be playing behind these guys. <laughs> We'd have some fun here, you know. Front foot ball, yeah. we'd be putting guys through holes all day. So, uh, <laughs> you know, I, I like that about their game. And, and, you know, the Brumbies need to find a way to, to neuter that, that forward pack. And it wouldn't surprise me to see the Brumbies kick a lot more ball. I think when they played against them last time, they had a lot of possession and the Chiefs just lapped it up, said, keep bringing it, you know, we're going to bash it. I wouldn't be surprised if I saw a much, um, you know, more heavily um, kick-focused game for the Brumbies. We don't want possession. We're, we're going to be happy if we get 35 40% of possession. You guys have it all and we'll see if we can defend you, live off the scraps and maybe frustrate you a little bit. That might be a tactic tactic Steve Larkham thinks about bringing because mm. bringing a game where you have a lot of possession against the Chiefs, you, you, you know, if, if you can't be effective, you burn a lot of energy, you get a turnover, you're vulnerable off turnovers against a team who are 
very effective at exploiting that. We've only got about a minute left, Case, but I just wanted to get a quick comment from you um, about former teammate of yours, Phil War, the new CEO of Australian Rugby. Um, how did you find that decision? Well, look, it's going to be a great challenge for Phil Wall. Phil Wall is operating with a with a chairman at the moment who's really an executive chairman. He's a well hands-on running the game, a lot of a lot of um, things, making a lot of decisions about the game as an operator, and I and I really like it. I think Hamish McLean, from an Australian perspective, has been our best chairman for a long period of time. He's come out, he's taken on our Kiwi friends across the ditch and said, we're going to have a red-hot go. It's all about Australian rugby. <laughs> let's, let's do it, right? He's, he's, created, he's created the battle, created the fight, um, you know, found an enemy, and we're, <laughs> and we're happy to have the fight. I love it. Um, Phil Wall's been very close to him in that. Um, Phil's going to be his, his operator. Um, you know, I've known Phil for a long time. I played test match rugby with Phil. I played with him on his test debut. Um, so I know Phil... Uh, Phil, Phil's heart and soul rugby guy. Many people in Australian rugby will think, you know, he's everything that we shouldn't, you know, we shouldn't be going forward with in Australian <laughs> rugby. Um, Australian rugby will judge that in future, and they'll be given that opportunity to judge it in future. We've got a rare opportunity now with a with a chairman who's, um, you know, has done a brilliant job of of leading the game out of its, um, you know, former administration, its former board former CEO, this guy's taken it forward um, and I hope Phil Wall can just get on the journey with him and deliver something that Australia hasn't seen in a long time and I've got to end my conversation because you're going to cut me off with a blood of low cup. Come on! Bring it back oh, to get Australia. Out of it. <laughs> your timing's perfect, Rod. Thank you so much for your call today, mate. You have a great afternoon, okay? Thank you all. See ya. We'll be back after this. Dean Butler with here this afternoon until four. Justin Marshall is with us for the Bunnings Trade Rugby Run. Marshall, real quick, got a text here for you. Uh, Justin, great comment when the camera showed the lady asleep in the crowd. What is that text <laughs> about, my friend? I'm not sure. What happened? Yeah, there was a, a Fijian lady that was uh, eyes closed and sleeping during the game. Um, and I, I did comment that she probably wasn't being entertained, but then I saw that uh, the husband or the partner was holding um, a, a little baby, and uh, I thought to myself, it's probably not the game that's made her tired, it's the baby. <laughs> so uh, I certainly understood why she might have uh, taken an opportunity to just shut her eyes for, you know, five minutes. <laughs> Absolutely right. Great call. Hey, we're going to wrap it up now, but coming up after one o'clock, we will be talking with the uh, Chiefs assistant coach, Nick White. So please text us in a question to ask him as well. Double eight, double three. Back soon. Brody Rotella trying to wade his way through. Gets it away to Dyer. Trying to reach his way over. Kenzie goes across the field, gives it to Nato, he sets up this way. Brody Rattella with some pre-line footwork and offload to George Dyer. And then watch Peter Gutsoa corner, clears the path and gets it done. One last carry for Oli Norris. Rates him up, sends it back for Joshua on it. And the Chiefs march into the semi-finals of Super Rugby Pacific in 2023.
One o'clock here on SCNZ. Dean Butley with you on the Bunnings Trade Rugby Run Power, your business with Bunnings Trade Power Pass. Of course, every Sunday we're joined by the man himself, Justin Marshall. Marshy is in the hot seat as well. And Marshy, we've got a guest for us now. We just heard the highlights of the Chiefs versus the Red. It is Chiefs assistant coach Nick White is on the line. Nick, uh, thanks for joining us, mate, and good afternoon to you. Hey, fellas, you're all good. It's a nice sunny day. Mate, it's it, it, summer has arrived in Auckland. It's only taken six months. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I don't. I don't think you know. Don't hold your don't hold your breath. I don't know if it'll last too long. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. Hey, um, Nick, I'll start off, mate, because when we were looking through this, talking with Justin on Monday, actually, about these quarterfinals, and we are looking at this one, and we're thinking, okay, it's one versus eight. Chiefs are the form team. You know, okay, they may have lost to the Reds earlier, but this is the one they'll win. Justin was a bit concerned because the Reds had beaten you guys previously. What was your thoughts going into this game, and why do you think it was so tight? Was it the Reds playing so well, or was it the Chiefs, or was it just a combination of factors? I think it was probably a combination of a few things and um, I think last time they played us they kicked really well we sort of couldn't um, counter their long kicking game mm. so um, and also I think last time they got down to our, in our 22 a couple of times and scored so um, yeah we, we sort of had a bit of a focus on our kicking last night um, and probably like I think the boys kicked really well, but probably kicked too much. We probably kicked well enough to when they kicked back to us, we could have had a crack a few times. So, and I think that's part of our strength, our back three, and um, and then we can get into holding the ball for long periods of uh, long periods of time, and then sort of putting pressure back on them that way. And um, we probably just sort of we didn't quite get that right a couple of a few times, and sort of um, just kept them going. Um, but they, they played they played really well too. So. You know, you've got to take your hat off to them mm. too for coming to Hamilton and having a good crack. Nick, thanks for joining us, mate. Always good to hear uh, your thoughts. Um, when, I, when I looked at that game, the one thing that I thought and the word that came to my mind quite often was physicality. That that was a physical game. What, what are the boys feeling like today? How's the casualty ward? Yeah, it's not too bad. It's not too bad, mate. Um you know, we probably, like I said before, with the kicking, we probably needed to actually probably get a bit more physical um, with holding on to the ball a little bit too, uh, a little bit longer, for longer periods of time to actually put some heat back on them and to make them work a bit, um, work a bit harder. Because I think if we could do that, like, um, you know, it's like Marsh, if you hold on to the pill, there's got to be some space somewhere if it's not to run the hill to to put it uh, to put it there with a kick. So. We just probably just didn't quite nail that. And, um, you know, it was probably a strength of our game is, you know, our carrying clean game. So um, we sort of probably, you know, probably just didn't probably use that as, to our advantage as good as we could have. Yeah, I just thought that, you know, at times, particularly their loose forwards, Uru and, uh, and Wilson, there's no subtlety about... The way that they want to seek contact, they don't. There's no sidestepping or <laughs> sort of late passing, but just before contact going on. So, like literally, your defenders had to front. Like I, I saw Guzler smoke someone at some stage, um, but uh, Samapini Finau as well. He, he doesn't tend to produce too much of a sidestep. He runs pretty hard. There was some decent contact and collisions in that game. Yeah, no, there was. There certainly was. And um, you know, P- Penny might be waking up a bit. Uh a bit sore this morning. He might want to introduce a little late step into contact now. But, um, 
But um, no, that, it is. It is. Um, the boys are pretty keen on that physical stuff, especially the D too. You know, like um, you know, you can still be in control of the game when you don't have the ball and you can put some heat on them with, with your physicality. And um, you know, at times we did that. But um, you know, they, they yeah, like I said, they they played pretty well. And both times they, um, a few times they got down, they scored a couple of good tries for, through their forwards and their their carries and their cleans too. Hey Nick, one thing um, I've noticed more so with the Aussie teams than maybe the New Zealand teams, and they certainly use it to great effect against you guys, uh, was the fifty twenty two kicks. Did you think they'd do as many of those? Because they, they really paid off for them. Yeah, no, it probably wasn't something we'd sort of, you know, had to focus on, but they certainly utilised the space last mm. night and it was probably, probably coming back to a bit of... Um, you know, the kicking too, you know, they were allowed to get back into that sort of just between the 10 metre and halfway and then, you know, we sort of had to, um, with our defence, had to bring guys up, which left a bit of space in the backfield and they sort of, you know, it's a bit of a kick in the guts when you have to turn around and run back and, um, you know, they've got the ball sort of inside your 22, so you've got to go defend, you've been defending and then you've got to turn around and run back and defend again, so, um, you know, they did that really well. All right, mate. I know that you could probably spend at least an afternoon, if not a day, in the pub chatting about front rowers, so I've got to go there. But I want to go there simply because I was quite impressed with the red scrum. I didn't. I must admit, I didn't know a lot about the tight head, but Agassi and uh, Rabbi as well, the loose head. Were you surprised at their scrum, that, that they fronted the way that they did? Because, um, you know, I certainly thought that at times there they, they used it as a bit of a weapon. Yeah, they did. They did. We didn't get a couple of things right. And we sort of, um, you know, a couple of uh, scrums led to their tries too. And, um, you know, we'd, we'd, well, we didn't give them a touch-up last time, but we certainly had the, probably the dominance over them last time. So, mm. you know, we knew you knew they were going to have a, um, they were going to front up. Yeah. And probably the biggest thing, Marsh, is probably, probably didn't paint good enough pitches to the wee man in the middle. And when he's, yep. you know, when you when your first couple of penalties go against you, and then something continues to happen, um, you're not going to get the rub of the green. So we just needed to be a bit tidier in that area, and um, you know the fifty foot, you know the fifty fifties, you know, give yourself a chance, not going the other way. But something, something going forward. Our scrum's been bloody good over the year, but last last night, um, you know, it was it probably wasn't as sharp as it was um, needed to be, and. Uh, I suppose it'll create a bit of what well, will create a bit of a edge. I, can, I know that that's for sure this week. So um, the boys will be the boys will be ready to go and front up again. That's for sure. Yeah, it's going to be a cracker, all right, Nick. But uh, also a, a real fan favourite with the Chiefs, of course, is Peter Gustoakula. What was it like for him last night? Initially not going to start, then starting, then scoring a try. Must have been great. Yeah, no, Peter Gus, he's, he's he's a good man. You know, he's a good player and. Um, yeah, we've had a um, a few boys that need a bit of a dose of Ivermec at the moment. There's a few quick bodies around, so um, um, you know, so there was a bit of a late change, but everyone was aware of it. Um, so you know, um, you just slot it in. Everyone sort of knows your roles. I mean, that's the thing these days. You, you've got to uh, you've got to prepare as you play, as they say, and then if you do get a chance, how good, you know, like mm. get out there and have a crack in a quarter final. So, um, but. Yeah, hopefully we get everyone uh, sort of a bit healthy and, uh, um, you know, no excuses, but uh, get everyone back on deck and ready to go this week, which will be a, a big old task in itself. Yeah, leads on to the next question, uh, mate, which is 
um, hard for you to answer, so uh, I'll say it for you. You're probably a little bit more relieved at having to play the Brumbies than the Hurricanes, given what they can do on, on a night. But it doesn't make the, the task any easier, does it? Uh, what do you make of the Brumbies? Um, and obviously, you, you only played them two to three weeks ago, but uh, they'll obviously come in as underdogs, which, make, which makes them reasonably dangerous if, if, they're, if already they're not a dangerous side anyway. Yeah, they will, mate. Like, um, they, uh, our, our D was really good against them a couple of weeks ago and um, you know, sort of probably shut down their mall and, um, you know, and didn't give them a lot of opportunities. So, um, old Larkham and, and probably if, if Nick White plays, you know, with that bloody box kick, um, you know, mm-hmm. those sort of, they'll have a plan. They'll definitely come with a plan and they'll be, you know, you sort of expect the unexpected. So I don't think... Um, Yep, they've still got the driving wall and that sort of mm. thing up their sleeve, but I think they'll have a few more tricks to their uh, armour, you know. So we've just got to be uh, aware of everything. And they, like they, 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 they'll, they've been there as much as the Crusaders over the years. So you know, they'll, they'll be, a, they'll be a tough task to uh, play. I mean, I suppose with all the, you know, you, you want to play the Brumbies, um, or you don't want to play the Hurricanes, but then you get them in your face. So you know, it doesn't matter who you play, really. So they've all got different. They've all got different strengths, so um, you know, it's it's um, it's going to be a, a tough old battle. But I think I think we probably yeah we've got to focus, have a uh, be aware of them, but probably spend most of the week on making sure we got all our stuff our stuff right and our plan right, and so we can get out and just let loose. Hey Nick, one thing I've noticed too this throughout the season, and it's been a great thing for the Chiefs, is actually the amount of fans, the crowds that are turning up to watch you guys in the home games. That must be lifting performance because it's been consistent for most of the season, and it's just getting bigger the closer we get. Yeah, no, it's been fantastic. Actually, um, down here in um, at uh, FMG, it's great to have a good crowd. Um, you know, like they certainly do. They certainly do make a noise. That's for sure. And um, uh, it's it's well, the boys love it, you know. You're playing any ground, it's full of people. It's it's awesome, and um, I'm sure we'll get a good turnout this week. And um, you know, I think even the other the other semi final that'll be chock chock a block too in Christchurch, another good game. So um, it's good to see it's good to see the crowds turning up because it's important that um, for all sorts of different reasons that that happens. Well, just finally, mate, uh, what what do you coaches get up to on? the day after a game. You've probably done a lot of your analysis work in that. Are you back on the tools today or are you able to sort of have a relaxing day before getting back into the work tomorrow? Given that it's a nice day, obviously, as you've said. <laughs> no, well, I've just dropped the old knapsack off my back onto the old motorbike. But no, we do have a um, we do have a bit of a catch-up at 2 o'clock just to get the week sorted. And But, um, you know, like you used to do when you played, Master, you'd be on the computer on the next day, you know, Making yeah. down over your game, making sure you're sweet for the next next week, eh? Hey? <laughs> Absolutely, mate. Yeah, yeah. No, I'd be more hydrating than being on the computer. You know that, mate. <laughs> <laughs> these little breath test, too. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my goodness gracious me, that was so funny. Um, skinny, I remember this. We we had uh, Greg Somerville. He we, we, we they bought the breathalyzer and. To try and educate us about, you know, looking mm. after our bodies and the next day what alcohol has effect and how much you've had. Greg Somerville literally wouldn't be able to drive for two years. He blew the tea if there was one in and out of it one morning after a Highlanders game. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so I think that was part of the PD, wasn't it? Part of the professional development back then. It, it was, mate, yeah. 
Yeah. Oh, that is awesome. Hey, um, Nick, thank you so much for your time this afternoon, mate. And, hey, all the best uh, for you guys in that semi-final against the Brumbies. Thanks, Nick. Awesome. Thanks very much for your time. No worries. Good to talk. Uh, there you go, Nick White. Gee, he's a really good sort, that's for sure. If you've got any um, more questions you want to ask Justin, please uh, text him in double eight double three, or please give us a call, uh, 0800 150 Kubota, for over 40 years, we've been making tomorrow matter, shaping and building New Zealand together. Bunnings Trade uh, Rugby Run Power, your business with Bunnings Trade Power Pass. And with us, as always, is Justin Marshall. Marshy, that was a great chat um, with Nick White about the Chiefs. And I love that uh, um, Greg Somerville story at the end, too. But that's how it was back in the day for you guys, wasn't it? That was the reality, eh? Yeah, well, obviously, we, we were supposed to be, uh, as foundation professionals, um, setting the benchmark. And uh, this was an innovation that they brought into. Uh, like I said, try and educate us about alcohol consumption and, and the effects it has the next day on, on your training and your recovery and all of that sort of thing. But uh, we had a pretty good win that, that particular morning. And <laughs> instead of instead of poor old Greg Somerville, Yoda we called him, um, when he, like I said, I think he blew something like 1,700 or 1,800. It was ridiculous. Um, instead of him getting a reprimand, he got a standing ovation on the bus. So... Um, <laughs> Uh, I don't know, Those but were, uh, look, um, we've come a long way, yep. believe me, since 1996 as yep. professionals. Those were the days, but I tell you what, Marshy, we have got a text which is going back in the day, and this is going to be a tough one for you, pal. Uh, it's going to unearth some some memories. It's The text mm. says, hey, Justin, please tell me about the 2003 World Cup loss. What was it like in the sheds? How did you process the disappointment? Yeah, like the disappointment is unfathomable, really. Like mm. to be in that situation of being in a semi final uh, and, you know, the possibility to go to a final and, and then lift the Webb Ellis Trophy is what every player dreams of. Mm. And, you know, uh, we had the similar situation in 99 where we got ambushed by a French side. Um, I had two really disappointing World Cup semi-finals experiences. Obviously, I didn't get selected by John Hart in 99. Mm. Um, and I was on the bench and I think I only played about three minutes of that test match. Wow. <laughs> and then uh, so, and then we obviously lost that game. Uh, and so I didn't feel like I could really contribute when you're sort of sitting on the bench to be part of it. Uh, in 2003, I actually started. So I thought, you know, the, the, this is why you play the game, to get that second chance and to to be a part of something hopefully uh, really special. And mm. unfortunately for me, about sort of 20, 28 to 29 minutes into the game, I got my ribs broken by George Smith um, wow. in, a, in a late tackle. Uh, and, uh, yeah, my World Cup was pretty much over then. Um, you can't you can't play with uh, broken ribs because you risk puncturing your lung and um, landed awkwardly and stuff. So... Uh, yeah, again, I had to sit back and, and, and watch what uh, transpired for the rest of the afternoon. So, yeah, you, you kind of, on both those instances, have already a hollow feeling, like being benched and then seeing us lose and then equally being injured mm. um, and having to sit through it without being able to contribute um, really stung. So I had two different types of emotions. The one of not not being in the, us being knocked out of the World Cup on both instances and equally I had individual um, you know, feeling that I had to try and emotionally keep in check as well because mm. I'd suffered in both cases um, under different circumstances of having to miss out. So, 
that's really how I sort of process it, to be honest. But, uh, you know, if you want to know what it feels like um, and you and you had the opportunity to walk into that changing room, you'd see grown, grown men, tough men, professional rugby players um, who play the game tough and, and uh, live by a creed and a code, um, tearful. Because uh, it means... It means a lot uh, being an All Black, and and when you suffer disappointment like that, it hurts like hell. It's, I mean, yeah, it's, it's Justin. It's, re- it's really interesting, but at the same time, it's like because we're back in the day. It's like how, that must have taken you a, a while to get over. And I'm being serious now. Was there was there counselling for you guys after that, or was it just this is the old days? Harden up, move on. Oh no, there's there's not to a degree that players need to go to counselling, but you need to. Go through the process of, mm. uh, you know, understanding why why it's happened. Uh, because at no point do you put on any rugby jersey, whether it's a club jersey or it's an All Black jersey, that you go out onto the field with any intent uh, other than to win. And mm. people who say that they go out there for the enjoyment of the game, um, ultimately, yes, you do. But in the back of your mind, you've also got winning in the and at the forefront of what you want to do on the afternoon, and and that doesn't change. For anybody, so when you suffer, you know the ultimate loss, which is you know when you're going for the biggest trophy in the game, uh, you, you need to understand why it's happened and try to ensure that it doesn't happen again. And we went through some pain in '99, 2003, and 2007 yeah. uh, of learning from our mistakes uh, to eventually getting to a point, um, you know, with a bold decision to retain Graham Henry as All Black coach after 2007. Mm. Uh, and maybe looked at 99, we got rid of John Hart. 2003, we got rid of Mitchell and Deans, who had only been in charge for 18 months. Was that the right thing to do? Because they were going to understand how we could right the wrongs and how a coaching group can learn about their players, but equally learn about their campaign uh, and, and, and make things right next time around. And that's actually probably what we learnt out of 99 and 2003, well, maybe we, the first thing we don't do is overreact and throw the coaches out. Mm. And uh, I think, you know, many thought that Graham Henry was very lucky to survive, um, including me. Mm. Um, but Same. We, we probably thought that the, the, the throwing them in the bin hadn't worked previously and uh, keeping them on obviously uh, meant that in 2011 and 2015, we had a good nucleus of coaching group because Henry took on Hanson and Co and Foster um, got involved, you know, of, of coaches that had been through what they'd been through in 2007 and knew how to right the wrongs and got it right. Yeah, that's a very interesting way to look at it, Justin. And, yeah, I can see why that, that pain of those two, 99 and 2003, that would have played a big part in the, the keeping Graham Henry on because I was like you and most other New Zealanders to get rid of them. Mm. Uh, it's, yeah. it's not funny, but I was in Australia in 99 and being a Kiwi in Australia and we've just lost a semi-final. Oh, my gosh, I copped it that day. Oh, boy. <laughs> <laughs> it was, yeah, I know. I'm, I'm sure you did. Oh, and I, I think that also builds resolve, though, doesn't it? Because it's not only supporters, um, the public, and everybody in general that feel, feels that pain when you get ribbed um, mm. and, and people take a bit of joy at you getting knocked out, yeah. uh, that it fuels your, fuels your desire to, to prove a point next time round, doesn't it? You know, um, and, and that proved to be the case eventually for the All Blacks.
It sure did. Hey, keep your calls coming in, folks. 0800 150 if you want to ask uh, Justin anything. Or you can text on double eight double three. And Justin, we've got a text here. Um, guys, the best 12 in New Zealand at the moment is Bryce Heem. And with Rico Yuani at 13 and Joe Schmidt, huge fan of both. Heem, he's got to be in the All Blacks mix. That's from Ken. Heard it mentioned quite a bit, mm. and and the thing about Bryce Team is he can play across uh, the park as well in the back line, you know. So he can play from twelve all the way out. Um, probably not so much fullback, mm. uh, but definitely thirteen and both both wings. Um, so it makes him versatile. Uh, when you think about somebody else, the All Blacks have been using in that capacity recently. It's been David Harvey, and he can play yes. even from ten mm. right across the park including fullback so it makes him an incredibly valuable member of the side that he can slot into any of those positions um, seamlessly uh, but you know you think of the the types of players both of them are one's more a touch field type player in Haveli the other and him is is very more robust um, but got good skill set good offload and he's got some speed too so look I don't disagree that um, he's He's very worthy of being in the conversations, uh, you know, but there, there's, there is a bit of debate around you know, exactly what that midfield structure is going to look like. Mm. And, you know, when you, you throw into the mix, Geordie Barrett, Anton Leonard brown obviously Rico's there, Jack Goodhues, who's, who's back in the game now. Uh, and even a team, you know, uh, a guy like Hank, uh, Alex Nankerville, um, Thomas Umanga Jensen, you know, there's Billy Proctor. Crikey. Uh, you know, there's quite a few. What I'm trying to say to Ken is there's quite a few Bryce Heems out there. Mm. Now, look, he, he is playing very good rugby at the moment, but so arguably are those players that I've mentioned. Um, so, yeah, it's it's very interesting to see the thought process of where the All Black selectors are going to go. Are they going to pick players that specifically fulfil a role? Um, or are they going to pick some players that are more versatile and they get the opportunity to pick 36 in the rugby championship which is mm. my goodness gracious me a hell of a lot of players yeah but what you might see is Bryce Heem if he doesn't make that 36 he's probably good enough to make that New Zealand A side that's going that Leon McDonald's going to coach which mm. will help him as well because he's got a coach that knows him as the actual coach of New Zealand A and I think they play Japan twice do they um, something like that oh, but okay you know, that, that gives another opportunity for him to show that he can take the next step if it's not immediately into the All Blacks. And there's a few players that fit that category. And and obviously that leads to the question then. So the, the, the lid has been put on Roger Tuivasa-Shek is what we're saying. Oh, again, yeah, I didn't mention Roger, did I? And he's been in the environment and been in the mix. Mm. And what we don't know is exactly where Ian Foster and his Coaches see uh, Roger Tuivasa-Shek. Like, whilst uh, at the Blues, he's struggling to get game time, mm. the All Blacks might um, think completely different because they might find that they have a niche for him and they have a way that they can, uh, you know, get the best out of him. So, you know, you, you, again, he wouldn't have been in the environment unless they saw value. Uh, so you, you've got to keep him in the mix. Um, so, no, I wouldn't completely rule him out because... You know, they, they know what they can get out of the player and, and that sometimes that reliability of, of what you know rather than the unexpected um, helps you get selected. 
And also, Justin, let me ask you too, I've got a couple of texts to get to you as well, but when I think of midfield, I always think combinations, you know, Bunsen, Little, Nonu and Smith. Is that how you see midfield, or do you see them as two separates who can be intermixed? No, I I like combinations. Mm. I really do. I feel that there's nothing better than being in big, big games um, or in any game Mm. and knowing inside, inside and out the player that is either inside or outside you really well. And I know that's quite quite a mouthful, <laughs> but hopefully people understand what I'm trying to say, which is you need to know that the guy that you're with, who you're partnered with, he's got your back, you've got his back, mm. you know his strengths, you know um, where he struggles a little bit, you know the amount of times that, you know, I'll probably admit it that Conrad saved him a little bit defensively because he had an instinct, instinct Ma'a to turn in mm. um, and, and jump, jump out of the line every now and then and if he did that, Conrad would just hold when he saw him go. And if he had to turn back in and clean up a defender, he would. You know, that's that synergy that you can't you can't coach. Mm. It just comes with time together and understanding each other and understanding how each other works. And the All Blacks have been missing that yeah. uh, quite a lot. And, 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 you know, nine and tens are exactly that. You know, I think... What Ian Foster's going to be really challenged with is finding his 9-10 combination in the Rugby Championship and sticking with it mm. rather than switching from Barrett to Mwanga and all over the place, you know. So, yeah, um, I'm a big combo man for sure. Yeah, no, I think, well, I know I am and I think a lot of the, lot of the audience are too, Justin. Hey, we've got a call here as well from uh, Joey. Joey, good afternoon to you. Yeah, g'day, lads. You got a, you got a question for Marshy? For, for Marshy? Yeah, Mark, you know, when you when you you, you lose um, a World Cup, um, you do you. I mean, you must feel, and and we don't as as a, as a country because the All Blacks and and rugby is the number one sport in New Zealand. But it's probably like um, Argentina losing losing a, a World Cup semi final or something where you you feel you guys feel as though you've let you let the country down. You know, where we as as supporters. We don't feel that, but it's like uh, if, if the leagueies if the leagueies lose to Australia, we're we're okay because Australia is the best in the world, and and that's it. But you know, when the All Blacks lose, when we lose the semi final or whatever, it hurts a hell of a lot more um, because we are a rugby nation, if you know what I mean. Like I'm like I'm comparing to Argentina, and I know mm. you guys, you know, we we as as supporters don't think you've let us down. It's just that, but would you? Would you guys think that you you have let the whole country down as well, and and it plays on your mind for a little bit? Yeah, Joey, thanks for your call, mate. And uh, yeah, it's a really a nice way to put it because yeah, that that is exactly how you feel as a player. You, you feel like you know the country, you know, love the All Blacks, and they want the All Blacks uh, to be winning, um, and particularly winning. The big, big ones, you know, and we, we want to always protect our history, um, but equally we want to make sure that when it comes to those big tournaments and, and World Cups that yeah, we don't let the nation down and, uh, you know, we want to continue to, to make that jersey better. And, and when you when you have to come home early from a World Cup um, because you've been beaten on the day and you've still tried your guts out and for whatever reason it just hasn't gone your way on the day, it does make you have your head down because you feel like you can't look your your supporters in the eye because you feel like yeah absolutely that 
we we know that uh, that that the country you know really wants the All Blacks to be successful. Um, but I think the nation in general has become a lot more understanding, which is so good. Mm. You know, because you never, as an All Black, want to do anything bar win and, and make make uh, make us and and our people proud. So. Uh, yeah, I, you just can't help but feel that way, mate. To be honest, Joey, it's just the it's just the, the nature of the way that it, that it uh, impacts on you. That um, you, you still will have that feeling, regardless regardless of anything. Even kind words like you saying that, yeah, we feel it, but we we, we still understand. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's one of those things where I, we can understand too. Believe me, as as supporters, we understand mm. as well, and and. Being an All Black, you never let us down. You know why? Because at the end of the day, there's only there's only so many that can be All Blacks, and and to get to that level, you got to be damn good anyway. So you know, um, I always think you know to the to the guys that that get even with whatever you know um, sport in New Zealand become representing their country, they've done fantastically well, and sometimes it's done. Uh, it's like it's like uh, racing, you know, the the, the the gallops and trots. Your horse is never going to win. 35 in a row, 40 mm. in a row. It's, you know, same thing. Mm. So, yeah, you know, we, as I said to you, you know, um, we, we feel the same the same sort of way. And, and it must be, we know it's hard uh, for you guys when um, when you do get beat, um, you know, but that, that is life. And, and then at least you can get up the, the next day or whatever, you know, and, and carry on, which is a good thing too. Hey, Joey, that's an awesome call, mate. Thank you so much for that. Really appreciate it. Uh, we'll take a quick break. We'll be back after that with more of your calls and texts. Dean Butler with you here on the Bunnings Trade Rugby Run Kubota for over 40 years. We've been making tomorrow matter, shaping and building New Zealand together as we do every Sunday with the Bunnings Trade uh, Rugby Run. We've got Justin Marshall uh, with us as well. And Marshy, a couple of uh, other texts have come in as well. Here's one. We're talking combinations. Here we go. It's from Cameron. He says, Justin, here's a combination for you, uh, one that's on fire and could go really well for the All Blacks. Weber, McKenzie, Narawa, Stevenson. What do you think of that? <laughs> uh, call straight out of Hamilton, wasn't yeah, it? I'd say so, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, very, very good combination. I think when you mention uh, those four players, that uh, they've been instrumental in the success of the Chiefs this mm. year. Uh, I certainly feel that particularly Damien McKenzie, the way he's come back from Japan and this year grabbed hold of that 10 jersey because... You know, you looked at the, the way that Josh Iwani came on the other night, but equally the way Bryn Gatlin plays. You know, they've got some really good uh, options there in the 10 jersey, mm. uh, but he's just grabbed it by the scruff of the neck this year and and really taking control. And when when a player does that, other players thrive around the, the, a, a player like that. Yeah, I know he's had the 15 jersey on every now and then, but in general he's been in the 10 shirt. And so that means that Brad Webber, you know, he, he, he knows that he's got that assurance outside him. He's also got that threat, which gives him more space. Uh, and then the outside backs like Stevenson um, and, and Narawa, it's no coincidence that they're thriving under under the fact that they're getting really good quality ball mm-hmm. and good good decision-making from Damien McKenzie. You know, even I saw him cross-kicking to Anton Leonard-Brown the other night. The fact that your wingers are scoring means that Everybody, and particularly your general, is doing the right job and guiding the ship. So, yeah, certainly don't argue with the fact that they are all four players in, in terms of combinations are all in really good form. 
Um, and yeah, look, you wouldn't be disappointed if you saw all of them in an All Black jersey, and um, they were they were running out uh, together in that capacity. Yeah, thank you for that, uh, Cameron. Much appreciated. Keep your texts coming in, double eight, double three, or indeed give us a call, 0800 150811. You mentioned the All Blacks. It was good to see the current All Black coaching panel at the game the other night too, Justin, and they're actually smiling. It looked like yeah, the weight of the world wasn't on their shoulders, even though deep down it probably is. Yeah, well, they've got some big decisions to make, but you must be excited, surely, mm. about that. Uh, you know, like the fact of the matter is there's a lot of players that are in good form. And, you know, we're, we're having constant debates, aren't we, on yeah. all forms of um, media, social media, whatever it might be, or at the pub or at home, mm. um, at the family table over dinner about, you know, what the All Blacks are going to, to do in terms of selections in certain areas. And that's a healthy conversation to have because there's options. Yeah. Uh, so I would think that, yeah, that, that, yes, they've got the pressure because they have to actually piece that puzzle together. But equally, it's it's a good headache to have that you've got so many players that you've got to fit into just thirty six. But you, the fact that you have to really scratch your head over a lot of them and and maybe leave players in really good form out, um, yeah, that's not easy and it's not an easy, easy conversation to have. But at least you've got that uh, that ability. Um, so that's a good thing. Yeah, they were in Wellington as well, and I had a bit of a chat to Fozzie in the oh, okay. in the foyer of the hotel at the Ridges there, and um, he said, yeah. I was quite surprised that he said he's, he's they're pretty much um, quite a long way down the track in terms of uh, being able to put their squad out. Um, so they've obviously had lots of conversations. They've already seen enough. Oh, okay. Out of out of a lot of their uh, a lot of their research throughout Super Rugby, um, it would be a bit of a worry if they were still looking for ten players in in semi final final week of Super Rugby, wouldn't yeah. it? So. You know, he, uh, that just goes to show that they, they know the players that they feel are going to fit into the equation. Um, and he said, you know, there, there's still the odd one, but in general, we're, we're pretty good with where we sit and we're happy with where, where we're sitting. So that's got to be a positive. So no wonder they can probably go along and relax watching that Chiefs game because when you think about it, yes, they're still keeping an eye on the players that they're going to select. Mm. But in general, they're not looking for players they have to select because they're like, man, you know? So yeah. that's got to be good. It's got to be good. Uh, here's one from Anthony as well. Hey, guys, no way Roger Tuivasa-Shek can make the All Blacks. He can't even make the Blues starting lineup. Has this happened before, an All Black getting ahead of another player who gets more provincial game time? It may have happened. I don't know. Justin, have you heard of anything like that before? There will be cases of it. I mm. can't think of one off the top of my head. Mm. But, uh, you know, like... Yeah, again, the, the theory is, and it's a valid theory, is that you have to be playing good rugby uh, for the ability to be selected. Now, there are instances where you've got a double up in a jersey in, in certain teams, um, and so the, the one of the players that can still be an all-black doesn't get the game time that he probably needs, um, but still will be selected in the all-blacks. And, and there's been probably cases of that um, across the board, you know. Um, mm. I even think back to, you know, Mertz and DC were in the same all-black side there at one stage, but they, you know, they DC was playing a bit of 12 and then he moved to 10 and then Mertz was off the bench, but Mertz still got selected. So, mm. yeah, there, there are instances where that happened, but it's, it's quite rare. Um, but, yeah, you would think that Roger Tuivasa-Shek need, needed to be playing rugby mm. Uh, to be to be in the eye line of the selectors, but 
Uh, it, like I said, it doesn't necessarily mean that they can't feel that they can get the very best out of him in, in their game plan, in their strategy, in their pattern and the players that he, they put around him. So you just never know. Yeah, and tell you what, it will be really interesting if he does get selected, Justin, because then there's going to be a whole heck of debate uh, following that choice. But like you say, the World Cup will sort us out whether good, bad, ugly, whatever. That'll be... Yeah. That will justify anything. And Justin, just a question I'd like to ask you. You might know you're closer to it. When we watch the games, they always cut to the coaches and they're always looking at their laptops. Is that just a replay of the highlights or is that something else that they're seeing on their laptops? Like you see Leon McDonald or you know, Scott Robertson, they're always checking out their laptops. What are they looking at? Well, they, they're getting live um, analysis coming into them fed to them from um, their, their basically their analysts that they carry. Oh. Uh, throughout the campaign, um, and it's going on. To, oh, so obviously, the analyst is in the room as well. Sometimes yes. he's separated, but in general, he's just feeding them live statistics uh, wow. and also uh, live live uh, clips being cut. Uh, not necessarily the TV footage. It's coming off the TV footage, but they'll be getting their own unique views of certain things wow. um, that they can access, uh, so that they can break down exactly what, what's going right, what's going wrong, um, areas where they will, the, the, the TV, for example, we might be showing a really uh, a close-up shot of backline formation, mm. um, but they want to see defensively or attackingly, they want to see a wide shot so they can access that wide shot, get it sent down into their laptop, look at it, go, right, oh, look, their, their fullback's actually really far to the right. Wow. You know, maybe the chip kick over the centres is on, whatever, so... Yeah, it's all it's all live. It's all getting um, sent to them as quick as possible, so that they can keep in tune with the game. And I don't know if people saw last night. You often probably get up at half time and take a toilet break, or mm. go um, get a, another cold beer, or a bag of chips, or whatever you might be doing. But we often clip to the changing rooms, yeah, uh, with Sky Sport and, and show what's going on in the changing room. And last night, quite clearly sh- showed uh, Scott Robertson with his iPad, uh, talking um, with the game drivers and uh, showing them stuff on the iPad that, you know, this is what we've seen in the first half. So, yeah, yeah, the technology is incredible, isn't it? It's interesting. I've always wondered because they're looking at those screens so intently and I'm thinking, what are they looking at? And you're like saying, it's almost real time, the analysis they're getting and the info and they give it to the players at halftime. So, yeah, so just so people understand, if we if we on Sky Sport are showing a particular replay, mm of something that's happened it might be a scrum collapse for example Mm. or it might be a line break when you clip to the coach's box and they are looking at their laptops they are not necessarily looking at that replay they are looking at something that they have clipped together which could be could be completely different we could be looking at the scrum collapse and they could be looking at the wider picture of how the backline formation was looking so yeah Pretty cool. Very interesting. Anyway, we've got one more uh, break to take. We'll be back after this. Dean Butler here with you along with Justin Marshall. And Marshy, it's time for our Kubota Most Reliable Player. Who are you going for? Okay, this week's Kubota Most Reliable Player. Blues fans, stop your cars, hold the phone, (laughs) all that sort of shenanigans. I've finally got there. And you must wonder why I haven't got there so far this season. Um, It's simply because some other players have been pretty good. But Mark Talia, man, he is in some sort of a form, uh, sort of form, isn't he? He's been super consistent all year. 
It's a bit remiss of me. I need to give myself a just a small little uppercut to have not had him as our most reliable player up until now. But uh, yeah, just absolutely scintillating at the moment. So he's he's an absolute uh, superstar and playing so well. He thoroughly deserves the Kubota Award this week. Uh, and that, oh, Marshy, great choice, mate. And and for a lot of Aucklanders, it's it's nice to see the eye patch can be removed. Uh, I know. Well, you- <laughs> I'm just I'm just giving the dog a bone leading into the semi final this weekend. You know, just make. Just make everybody start to feel pretty good about themselves oh. before you have to turn up at Orange Theory Stadium and it's minus three like it was on Sunday night oh. and not 18 degrees and uh, <laughs> and take on the Crusaders and uh, look at those big poles on the way past with all the titles on it. Eh? <laughs> I tell you what, Marshy, but this is the game. This is the game we all both want, isn't it? Uh, uh, this is a replay oh, of the final. This is this is the yeah. one. It's, it's... This, this is it. You know, these are the types of games. We wanted the co- competition to have as its crescendo, you know, mm. semi-finals like we've got this weekend, and then the prospect of a mouth-watering final, regardless yeah. of uh, who the two teams are going to be in that, because we've got four high-quality teams, two belter of uh, belter games at the weekend. Man, just cannot wait for these contests. Yeah, now these are going to be absolutely fantastic. Hey, uh, Marshy, as always, mate, with it, we have run out of time. Uh, big thank you to our guests, uh, your mate Rod Kafer. I tell you what, Rod Kafer, he's fantastic, mate. What a, what a good sort he is. Oh, Kafe is great. He, he's a superb analyst and thinker of the game. Um, really top bloke. Played a lot of rugby against him. Did, did a lot of uh, other work while he was working with Fox Sports as well oh, when okay. I was with Sky. And um, no, he's he's just a he's a top man. He loves his rugby and he's happy to come on and chat it as well. So absolutely, yeah. He's he's not just our token Aussie. He's actually <laughs> got a good great brain for the game. And uh, having a player like that sort of give you. A breakdown of the weekend's action is very valuable, so grateful to have him. Absolutely. Big thanks to Nick White as well. And, Marshy, you have a great rest of your Sunday afternoon, pal. We'll see you next time. Thanks, Dino. Thanks for hosting, and uh, good to see you all.